Praise the Lord. Well, obviously you can see that I'm a proud father. Could you just turn me down just a little bit up there, please? I'm sorry. Proud father, obviously, as my, my daughter's been doing this, she went there for the six months when she first said she was going to go and she wasn't sure when she was returning. I think everybody in the family was a little concerned because of what you're doing is obviously pretty risky. And then now she's trying to get her uh, visa so she can stay more permanently uh, until God leads her to come back here. So we're obviously pretty excited about helping her out and being part of that. We're hoping maybe this year that we can go over there and maybe help her buy some property where they can actually have more of a permanent place. So we were talking about that while she was here this last time. Here, And so it's pretty exciting for me to see that she's fulfilling her calling that God has called in her life. Amen. It's not always easy, I'll tell you that. Well, today's message is on freedom. And how many of you guys enjoyed the 4th of July this week? Yeah. Well, we're still seeing the effects on the 4th of July at our house. Our dogs are still hiding in the basement. Because all the neighbors are still doing it, and they, they think they can get bigger and better, and sometimes they like to use the church property. So I, I'll get the call and say, okay, i got to go out and kind of kick some people off so they don't burn down the church building, but, you know, and make sure it's always safe. But it's kind of fun. We used to always have Elver Park over here, and we could watch them from our backyard, and you have all these people come to the church property and watch the fireworks show. So it was always a fun little get-together when you'd see people just all of a sudden come out of the, the tree line. And they'd all just swarm the whole property, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden they, as soon as the fireworks were over, they all disappear. And I was like, where'd they come from? But they would just, you know, hop the fence, whatever they could do to come in and, and see what was going on with the fireworks show. But what was interesting, well, when I was thinking about uh, the message for this week was I was really thinking about freedom. And there's a lot of ways you can look at it. You know, really, God wants us to be free in Him. But I started really trying to understand freedom even in our country, and, and a lot of times we actually have a definition that's more physical about us on the outside, and God really wants to talk about our freedom more on the inside. You know, there's things that we can be free on the outside, but if we're not free on the inside, then we really don't have it all figured out. And God really came to really free us in the inside, our spirit. And really what I looked at is that, you know, uh, some of you guys <clears throat> know, it's kind of confusing. you got Memorial Day, and you got Veterans Day, and you got the 4th of July. So you're like confusing them all because we want to honor the military and those who fought for us. But I really understood that Fourth of July is really the Declaration of Independence that our country signed, and also it's a day, it's the birth of, of the United States of America. So it's really our anniversary date for America, and America's definitely not perfect, but I would rather be here than about any other place in the world because of the freedoms that we have, amen? I'm very proud to be in America, and some people think that's being one way or the other way. I just believe that I've seen my grandfathers that have served in the military, in the Navy, in the Army Air Guard. And I was really proud that they actually did that, that they were willing to risk their life for our freedom. And it wasn't always easy. What's kind of cool, though, when you start looking at the history of America, is we were around a lot earlier than the 1776, the inauguration. Just before I get started, I want to drink some of this water, but I want to tell Pastor Steve, he thinks it's my bottle of wine that I have here. That's why I preach so good sometimes when I have a few drinks. But it's not. It's actually water from uh, New York. Saratoga, one of my favorite watering wells. But, but just so if anybody ever had any things, we're taking pictures of it or something, I'm trying to say, pastors drink it up on stage, but I want to make sure just so for Pastor Steve, he doesn't give me a hard time anymore. But you think about it, our nation really was built under a nation, one nation under God. And I was start, as I was studying, and I'm a kind of a history nerd, I really like to understand how the church started, and all the stories as a kid, I used to I love, love all, hearing Testament. all those stories, but then as you get into the New Testament and understanding the early church history, 
But then you start also understanding the different cultures that really put God first and how they developed differently than other cultures did. In America, what they got right at the very beginning, even though they got a lot of things wrong, was that they put God first. And without that, we wouldn't have a nation that is so successful that built up to be such a great nation in such a short time. I mean, there's no, if you study the history of the world, there's been no nation that has formed the, minor, the amount of financial wealth and growth that our nation has in that short time. So what I can say is that God was in it. That's the only reason why you can have a, such a miraculous growth and such a powerful nation come to tuition in such a short time. One nation under God, the right, I love it, is the right to worship God and read his word, the Bible, freely. In many countries on the earth, we see that you're not able to do that. You can see what happens if you were to do that in China right now. When I was a youngster, uh, as a pastor's kid, I always thought, I'm going to fly Bibles into China. I want to be a, a pilot. And I thought I would load up and just get them Bibles. I saw all these stories about people trying to get Bibles smuggled into all these different countries where they weren't willing to... Uh, read them freely. They could be thrown into prison and how all the, they're almost like the early disciples that actually had to do things in hiding in small groups in little houses because it wasn't considered to be uh, proper for that day and age. It's the same thing in China and Russia and different places where it's definitely oppressed. And so I love that fact that we're in a country that we can be free to worship God. But as I was studying it, I thought this was kind of cool. The first church that was established in the U.S. territory was in 1521, and that was in Puerto Rico. I thought that's interesting since we have a Puerto Rican church here that's with us in the afternoon. So it's kind of neat how they were actually in the first U.S. territory to have a church was Puerto Rico in 1521. The first church in America on, on the shores here was 1607 in Cape Henry, Virginia. So here it is over 150 years before the Declaration of Independence. I'll even go a little further. The first synagogue, Jewish synagogue, synagogue was in 1651. And to this day, they still say that they're the oldest, uh, what do you want to call it, congregation that was founded in America. Now, that church is, is not no longer there, or that uh, Jewish synagogue is no longer there, but they do have one in Newport, Rhode Island, that's from 1763, that's still the original one. So that's still before the country became a country. So you can just see that we made sure that God was the foundation and the freedom that we can worship God freely. Amen? I mean, that's great. We're ready to rejoice just for that. You guys can do what you're doing today without looking over your shoulder, just wondering if you're doing something wrong, because we have that freedom. And I might sound a little bit of a nerd when it comes to our country, but I love what we have done. And what's great about our country, it continues to try to fix itself. When we make mistakes, we continue to fix ourselves. There's plenty of mistakes, but God is always a God of second chances, amen? So when we do something wrong, God helps us get back on the right path. You know, it's funny when you think about freedom, sometimes freedom can be a negative thing. You know, I'm, I freely eat what I want sometimes, and you guys can see it. But there's certain things we want freedom is more on the inside. On the outside, it's like, man, it's so hard to put that cheeseburger down. Or it's, man, it's hard to get to that gym. You ever see that the most annoying people are, or the people that are in that perfect shape at the gym? I go there and say, what are you guys doing here? You're already done. Why are you even here? I'm the one that should be here. They got muscles ripping off of muscles. I'm thinking, what are you doing here? I'm the one that needs to be in that gym. But God wants us to have freedom really inside. And that's what I really want to talk about today is that understanding Paul in Philippians, 
he's kind of, I'll just kind of set up the story, is that he's actually having problems where he's in prison. And I'm going to go towards the end, I'm going to tell you exactly all the different things that Paul faced. And some of these things that you guys might face, but maybe not quite to the extreme that Paul did. And Paul didn't really start off as a good guy. You know, some of us didn't start off as a good guy. I mean, I told Missy when she married me, she married a bad boy. So every time she wants me to act a certain way, I'm saying, hey, Missy, you knew what you're marrying, you know. <laughs> I mean, this is how I am. I'm sorry, no. God, God changes us, thank God for that. But Paul was, <laughs> Paul was Saul, and he originally was a murderer, and he would go out and try to kill Christians in the name of the law the letter of the law. He said, you guys should not be Christians. You know, he's following the Jewish law. And so he would actually pull out, some people call him the first terrorist in the Bible. He would pull women and children, families out to the street and have them imprisoned or executed. And on the road to Damascus, he found God on that road. He was going there to do some, some harm to people. And on that road, God, with a bright light, shined down on him and he, he was blinded immediately. And what I think is interesting to this is Paul had enough wherewithal to say, Lord, is that you? I look at that scripture and I think, man, if he wouldn't have said that, God might have struck him dead right there. Because he had done so much harm to the Christian faith. But he realized this, God was there. And so he got saved and, and started following the kingdom and started doing all the journeys that you guys read in the New Testament. And it's kind of cool. In Philippians, here he is, he finds himself in prison. And when he's in prison, he's not sitting there moping about being in prison. How many of you guys would like to be in a situation where you feel you've been abandoned by God or abandoned by people. It's kind of a sad place to be. And when you feel that way, sometimes, what do you want to do? You want to complain. How many of us like to complain sometimes? You know, I complain the weather's too cold, then I complain it's too hot, then I complain it's too rainy, right? But it's amazing how here's Paul sitting in prison, and he's actually finding ways to find joy in Christ. In Psalms 33, 12, it says... Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord's. And in the Amplified, it actually says, Blessed or fortunate or prosperous and favored by God is the nation whose God is the Lord's. So when I looked at freedom, is the state of not being imprisoned, the power or an act to speak or think as one wants to without hindrance or restraint. Well, I, th I look at that and that's kind of a two-double-edged sword if we just speak whatever's on our mind. How many of you guys want to take some of that stuff back? You know, we say something, right? How do I look in this dress, honey? You look beautiful. Does this outfit match? No. You know, those are things that we wish we could take back. Sometimes we're brutally honest, but God wants us to have that freedom, but really that comes from inside us. So the first thing that God gives us is a choice. From the very beginning, God gave us a choice to choose life or death, to choose him. God never forces himself upon us. The thing that we see in the word of God is from the very beginning, even in Adam and Eve, God did not force them to love him. He gave them a choice. And we see all through history, God wants us to choose to follow him. So God is not forcing himself upon us. God is a very gentle God. He wants us to make that choice to choose him. He's saying, I, you can choose life or you can choose death. But you can make the choice. I'm not going to force you to do that. So when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, we choose life. Amen? And then number two is there, Jesus came to free us from sin and death. Anything that holds us in bondage. So I love this part. Is God's answer to our loss of freedom has always been Jesus Christ. 
Every time we feel a loss of our freedom, we understand that Jesus Christ is the one who redeems us. Jesus revealed himself in Luke 4, 18 as the Messiah. He was, the one, he was one to us to say, I want to proclaim your freedom. It's kind of interesting how Jesus came and says, I'm going to proclaim freedom for you guys. Here he comes. Right now, Rome was being uh, overthrown, or the Jewish were being overthrown by Rome, and they were seeing this oppression that was on them. They were seeing this oppressor, and they were looking for the Messiah. All through the Old Testament, they were believing that someday the Messiah would come. <clears throat> and now the Messiah is facing them, and they're not actually recognizing him as the Messiah. But Jesus came to proclaim the freedom. Jesus was not setting us free to do whatever we wanted. That's outside freedom. He was freeing us to do what we should or ought to do. That's the inside freedom. So when the Lord instructs us, he knows how we're created. God created us in a perfect way, in his perfect image. And he said that, Pastor Jake, I have a plan for you. I know exactly what makes you tick, what gifts I've given you. I know what I've given you, and I want you to fulfill the plan that I have planned for you, that I've created you to do. See, God is a God who loves to plan things out. Think how organized the universe is, how he created all this. You can see that God is in everything that we're doing. That's what's amazing. When I get excited about the freedom that God gives us, you start seeing God in everything that you do. You know, in life, when I, when I have something that, that good happens, I always give God credit for it. I want to know that God, when I have something good that happens, God, I give you full responsibility for that. Because on my own, I couldn't breathe without God. I wouldn't be born without God. I couldn't even be in this position without God. Because he's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. Amen? We're here today and we can stand before God the Father because of our right relationship with Jesus Christ. If it wasn't for Jesus' blood that was shed on the cross, we would not be worthy. Remember, none of us deserve what God gave us. It's because of his grace. It's because of his love for us that we're standing here today. Amen? What a loving God. We didn't deserve it. He was freeing us to walk in the relationship with him, with God, and to walk in love with each other. And I think about this as a lot of you guys get around your family and you get reminded of how you were when you were a child. You know, I remember seeing my grandmother who had some uh, dementia. And we'd go out there and see her. She just passed away a little over a year ago. And... What was interesting is that I was there with my mother, and we were talking to her, and when they would bring up my name, they said, Jakey, that mischievous little boy. She still remembered me running around the house. I was the oldest grandson, or the oldest grandchild, and how I'd get in trouble climbing trees, climbing on the roof, doing all kinds of things. that They couldn't really control me. And so it's funny is that she couldn't remember most of our names, but as soon as they brought up Jakey, which is what they used to call me, Jakey, so remember you can't, can't get away from it. I still go around my cousins, and we're in our 50s now, and they're still saying, Jakey, come over here. It's amazing how people remember how you were in the past, how you used to be. Uh, the story about when I was on the farm, my uncle, my grandpa really kind of moved to a farm after he was an army air guard. My grandmother was more of a city girl. And so they moved her out to this farm, which she really loved it. Just kidding. But they lived on this farm, and so a lot of my uncles and, and stuff, they started following that path. And my dad even tried when I was first born for a little while. 
But I think uh, it, it lasted, what, maybe about a year? Yeah, about a year, that was about it. He, he said he was being told what to do by three different people. His brother, who was running a lot of the farms, his dad when he got home from the post office, and his mother throughout the day. So he, you were never going to get to the top of that pole there. You'd always be at the bottom. But I remember being there, and I was driving around uh, the motorcycle. If you got up really early in the morning, you had to go get the cows in to milk them. And I was a city boy, didn't like, really like to get the manure on me. They called it mud, but I knew what it really was. And as you're walking through the barn, it would just be slopping around, hitting you in the face and everywhere else. And you're like, okay, after a while you just get used to it. I don't know how I got used to it, but you got used to it. And the only neat part of the job was, is throughout the day, they would uh, put, bring the cows in. So you got to, if you got up there early enough, you got to go out and get a motorcycle and drive through the fields and try to bring the cows in. So I thought that was a cool job. Here I am you know, 10, 12 years old, driving this motorcycle through these ruts and fields, and, and uh, it was just a different way of living. I mean, they would leave the keys in the truck, and if we ever wanted to go up to the store, we would drive through my uncle's field and make one illegal crossing across the road just to go there. But here we are, 12 years old, with a key in a car, and you're driving stick shift, and, and it's just a different lifestyle. But here I was, I'd get up there and drive these motorcycles and get in, and if you got up a little later, you would get stuck with something less than a good motorcycle. There's one that was kind of, I think it was a Kawasaki 125, and they had a little one with big tires, I think it was an 85, so a little fat little mini bike. And the third one was a lawnmower with no deck on it. And we used to call it the World War II lawnmower because it was that old, that rusty. And uh, we were, throughout the day, we would actually get chores done, but we would actually be trying to hide from my aunt because if she saw us not working, she'd be yelling from the window, go clean out the horse pen or whatever. She would always so we'd sneak around the building. So... One day they all left the property and we were driving around chasing each other on these motorcycles. So, you know, really safe with no helmets. You know, all the stuff we used to do was fun back in, what, the 70s, was it? Probably the 70s. And uh, I remember I got stuck with the World War II lawnmower. And my cousins were chasing each other and we're trying to, I don't want to say run them over, but my youngest little cousin, he's the one we kind of picked on. We go there and try to tag him when we're on the motorcycles and let him chase after us. And so it's kind of a mean little trick. But uh, it's funny as I was going through the side of the the ditch and I hit this hole, and the wheel goes flying off the tractor. And right away, my uncle comes over. Not my uncle who owns the farm. My dad's uncle. Maybe he looks like Pastor Steve, Uncle Chuck. And he's hollering at me, just screaming his head off, saying, "You're going to get in trouble." And I thought I was in trouble because everybody knew when Jack came home, he was going to be upset. Here's this tractor that no one really used, and I was going to get upset with it. So they, he gets home, and he finally says, oh, I'll fix that. And he welds it up and puts it back together, and nothing happened. But what's funny is that they continued to remind me about that incident. But it's not, it's, what's crazy about it is that sometimes our stories change. I always say it was someone else riding that tractor. It wasn't me. But, but they still bring it up. Jakey, this was you. You know, what's weird about the past is... It was you, but it's not you today. So what I was in the past is not who I am today. And I think my wife just said amen on that one. People seem to always want to remind you of the worst version of yourself. You get back together with your friends at the reunion. Remember when we used to? No, I want to forget about that. Right? But we always we seem to be reminded of how we were. It's hard to get away from that, but God is a God of forgiveness. The Word of God says that the moment you go before God for forgiveness, He remembers your sins no more. Immediately, it's gone. That's freedom. 
knowing that you can stand before God blameless, without spot or wrinkle. So many people are in prisons without bars. We see Paul that was in the prison, but a lot of people, you'll look at them and they look like they're fine. They might have more money than us or wealthy, but yet they're in prisons without bars. Their minds, their spirit are not set free. And God wants us to be aware of the people around us so that we can help lead them to Christ. Amen? There's people hurting. Tristan was talking about people hurting in the Philippines, and I believe that we need to reach those people. But there's people hurting to our left, to our house on the left, and our house on the right, the person at the store. There's people hurting all around us, and God wants us to be aware of how we can help them. Prisons of their own making, bad decisions that have locked you up for years. How many of you guys like to forget about some things that you've done? I put both hands up. But I'm sure someone will remind me later about it, right? We have two choices. We can either trust God that he set us free from that, or we can stay in the land of the almost. We can stay in the land of the almost. There is no greater prison than in the land of the almost. Looking or seeing your dream but you can't quite access it or grab it. Sometimes we feel like we're almost where we want to be and we quite can't grab it, yet people are trying to drag us back into our past. When I talked to my kids growing up, I always said, hey, hang out with people who will influence you for good things. Look at people around you that are successful. When I hung around people who were maybe not making good choices, I fell in the mud with them. I got into the trouble with them. And so I had to learn how to choose good people to hang around with. How do I choose life? How do I choose God's word over some of those other things that are out there tempting us, trying to pull us back into the world? Almost is a hurting thing because you're at the very edge of what you used to be and you see what you were called to be. You're right at that very edge. You know where you were and you're now getting ready to step into what God has called you to be. And it's a place of freedom. And you feel stuck in the middle sometimes. Prisons of things that we've done wrong. Stuck wishing that we could get the time back. How many of you guys wish you could just have those few years back? Man. Wishing we could have it back. But you know what the Word of God says? That He will make up for those wrong choices. And the Bible talks about that. There's times that we have had losses in our life and God can quicken our recovery. But also quicken how we prosper and move forward. We need God in our lives to be able to do that. If we keep trying to do it on our own, we're going to keep slipping back into the old ways. God is more interested about freeing you in your spirit than freeing you from your situation. That's kind of a tricky situation. Sometimes we say, God, get me out of this. But then we go to the next situation and we bring the same chains, the same bondage with us into the next situation, the next relationship, the next job. And God says, no, I want to free you from what you're dealing with, what's in the inside of you. So I thought this is interesting in, in Philippians chapter 1. It says, Paul's saying, I'm just not going to read the scripture there, but I just want to like kind of give you guys an overhead. Paul's saying, I'm not out yet, but I'm free. I'm in prison, but I'm free. I'm still right here in this cell physically, but I'm spiritually free. There's a peace that comes over you when you understand that you're spiritually free on the inside. You can do all the things on your flesh and try to, you know, discipline yourself, 
But you're always going to fall back into that same pattern if you don't have the spiritual freedom that God can give you. Free from what? Free from pain? No. Paul was still feeling the pain of being in that prison. Free from uncertainty? No. He didn't know what they were going to do to him. Here he is, has all this stuff around him, and he's still thinking, I'm going to trust God in what I'm going through right now. It's not always easy. But that's a freedom that we can only get from God. So, what I'm saying now, instead of me praying for a situation to be free from, I'm praying God to set me free from me, from my choices, my bad decisions. Set me free from the choices I've made that have put me back on this path that's other than where God wants me to be. God has given me my freedom and my own keys to help set me free. Amen? It's the Word of God. It's the Spirit of God, the love of God, the grace of God. And so I want to talk about four of them right now. Faith is number one. The belief in God, to trust God no matter what you're going through, that you're going to believe that God is there and he will always be there for you. When you're going through something, you're praying God to believe for something, I'm going to keep believing, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing, keep believing. I'm going to put my trust, my faith in God. I know that God is a responsible God, and he's a God who follows all his promises. And I trust him. So number two is trust. To completely rely on you know, the belief in the strength of God. When I trust God, I know that God has the strength to get me through my situation. I know that God has the strength, the ability to help me through whatever I'm dealing with today. That's putting our trust in God. Those are the keys that we have to get out of our, to set ourselves free from us, from ourselves. Praise. I love this one. Focus on God and the enemy flees. You know what praise does? It quiets our doubts. You guys have doubts that come in your head that says this will not happen. This is the way it's always been. This is the way it's always going to be. And praise gets your mind off of that and says, no, God, I can be more things. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? So God allows us, as we praise him, we see that God has done great things. You, I, I can go a little further. And this, I don't want to get too sidetracked because time's going to go fast. But if you notice that all the Israelites, when they were actually going around to have victory over the military mites, they always had the praise singers go ahead of the army. We see that in the walls of Jericho. They said, don't put your weapons up there. March around the walls and blow your trumpets. And God's saying that is that when we give you praise, it puts a, a, a doubt on the back seat. So anything that tries to rise itself up Above, against the word of God, it gets put on the back seat. And the fourth one is gratitude. Being thankful for what God has done. You know, when we say, God, thank you, it reminds us of what he did before. And it will remind us of what he will do right now. And it reminds us of what he'll do in the future. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is Freedom. Say freedom. freedom. Amen. So I'll tell you right now is that when you understand that when the Spirit of the Lord is with you and He has helped you and healed you on the inside, there's freedom that will give you that perfect peace that only God can give you. There's many people out there. I've, I mean, Pastor Steve and I have been around in ministry for many years, him longer than me, and we've seen a lot of stuff 
out there, and what happens is there's people that have been very successful in life. And there's many times you see them on their deathbed, or they're facing a life or death situation. And what they want to know is their relationship with God. They're not asking for more money or more success. They're asking for more time. So Jesus will give you a peace that passes all understanding. Something that no matter what you achieve in this world, that only God can give you. Is that peace that passes all understanding. Paul's saying, I found freedom. I have found all the resources I need. I have all the things I need through the Spirit of God, and it's through the Spirit of God that I am free. Amen? Paul says, I'm not out of my situation, but I don't need my situation to change. God has, to, God has changed me. So your situation might not change. You still might be in a country that doesn't allow you to worship God freely, but God can change you in that situation. Amen? And in John 8, verse 36, it says, Who the sun sets you, uh, When the sun sets you free... You will be free indeed. And I like how the scripture is saying that when Jesus sets you free, it's a done deal. It's a done deal. There's no more other guarantees in this world than Jesus. 100% of the time, it's finished. What Jesus did on the cross has completed the work. Now he's looking to us to finish the work that he started. Amen? So in Philippians 1, it says, Paul's like saying, I made a decision to be free, free of bitterness, free resentment. Here he is, he could have blamed other people for the situation that he's going through. It's very easy. Here he is trying to do the work of God, and he keeps being imprisoned. He keeps being abused. And I'm going to go on to a scripture at the very end. I just want to show you a little bit of what he went through. But real freedom is that no one can give you but Jesus. And real freedom, no one can take away. Freedom that you have on this earth, physical in the flesh, can be taken away from you. But the freedom that Jesus gives you, it can only be given by Jesus, through Jesus, and, and no one can take that away from you. You know, if Paul dwells on what he's going through right now, he will lose hope. The moment he's in there, he's sitting in prison, trying to do God's work. If he dwells on it, he'll lose hope. If he dwells on the things that are going to happen next, he becomes unstable. How many of you guys have felt like you've went through life like that? You dwell on something too long? You guys have heard me say this, it's like the hamster wheel. You get on that hamster wheel, keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, and not getting any different results. It's hard to get off. You know, pray and believe God for something. Then after that, thank him for what he's doing in your life at that moment. If you keep asking, what, how do I solve a situation, give it to God. When you've asked yourself three times and you haven't got an answer, say, God, I give it to you at this point. You're the God who knows everything, who has created everything. You're the God who knows how I work. You're the God who knows what I need. I trust you. So if he dwells on the things that are, that are going to happen next, he becomes unstable and he can't even control it anyways. How many of you guys try to control everything that goes on in your life? When we try to do that, it makes us unstable, it makes us unsettled in what we're trying to do. But when we put our trust in God, we know that God has a plan for us. Amen? God has a plan for us to succeed. The Word of God says Jesus comes to bring life 
and life more abundantly. In Philippians 1, as I did a little summary, he says, I thank God, this is Paul, I thank God in every prayer with joy. So when we don't know what the situation is going on, here he is in prison, and he's thanking God with every prayer that he's doing, and he's having joy while he goes through it. And what's interesting about Paul is that every time he was thrown into prison, which was many, many times, even the Bible says he couldn't even count how many times he was thrown into prison. What a good guy that we look up to, right? And here he is in prison. He wrote most of his books while he was in prison. So instead of him moping about it, he actually did the work so now we can understand what he was going through. And we can now be fed through that scripture, amen? Remember the past Paul remembered the past to fuel his faith. He remembers that he's not alone. God started it, and God will finish it. Amen? So what God has started in you today, he will finish it. Amen? God knows the end from the beginning. God reveals things in reverse. I love this. He tells you the end. We win and we'll have victory. But then he tells you the steps that you need to take to get to that victory. That's kind of interesting. It's kind of like looking at the back of the book. We already know what Revelation says. That we all have the promise of eternal life. And that we are successful and we will win. Amen? That's rejoicing right there. Amen? So God has told us the end saying, hey, you guys can have hope because look what I'm going to give you at the end of this. And now he's telling you to take the steps. Abraham, I'm going to bless you with the whole earth. I'm going to bless the whole earth through you. And Abraham goes, okay, tell me how. No, the Lord says. Go to the land and I will show you and the details will come to you and unfold to you as your obedience does. So God's waiting for us to be obedient. He says, go forward and trust me. He wants us to go forward and trust him. There's times that we have to take a step of faith and trust God when it doesn't look like we can do it. But that's where God's going to give us to the end result, which is victory. Paul says, I remember how this got started and I know how and who started it. On the road to Damascus, it was God. God made that change. He said, okay, while he was blind, they told him where to go. God actually instructed him where, what city he's supposed to go, and he found somebody there. And these people, think about this. They see Saul coming into this town, and he's blind, had been murdering people. And now they're supposed to welcome him into, this, into their house, the people that he was going after. So those people had to listen to God too. And here's Paul went in there, and he's like, whoa, you don't understand what I go through. These people want, want to kill me too. And i got to walk in this town, I'm blind, and i got to trust God that where I'm going to go, God's going to help me. David did too. It's like this, I, I, I look at this, as, I'll go back to this one step. Paul had a flashback, a faith flashback. He looked back and saw how God had helped him in the past when he's sitting in prison, and he was able to have faith to trust God. I'm actually looking at scripture here before, as I get in closing here. And it's in 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, I don't have this up there, but it's something I added to the end. And here's Paul just telling you about some of the things he went through. So I'm just going to show you guys. So if you guys think you ever had a bad in life, I'm going to show you what Paul went through. This is just by uh, following God. I've worked much harder and been jailed more often and beat up more times than I can count. Can you imagine that? And at death's door time after time. So basically he was beat up close to death. I've been flogged five times with the Jews, 39 lashes. You remember, Jesus did 39 lashes. 40 would actually kill you. So five times he was beaten. 
And the Word of God says that Jesus' mother couldn't even recognize him for what he had went through. So you can imagine how handsome Paul was. Beaten by the Romans' rods three times. Pummeled with rocks. So basically he was stoned. So they thought he was dead. They left him for dead. I've been shipwrecked three times. And it wasn't like the life jackets that we have today, right? You're grabbing on a hold of some wood and hoping to survive. And immersed in the open seas for a day and a night. So he got shipwrecked, then he also had to sit in the ocean for a day and a night. So a day and a half, 36 hours, wondering what's happening. In hard traveling year, in, uh, year in, year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city and in risk in the country, endangered by the desert sun and by the sea storms, and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many long and lonely nights without sleep, many missed meals, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And he goes on to say that he's found the secret of success, whether he's rich or poor, that he can put his trust and his faith in God. Amen? Let's all stand. David had a faith flashback. He sees Goliath out in front of him, and then he has a flashback. Remember, the lion was big too. The bear was big too, but I'm going to keep going forward. I'm going to trust God. I just want to just uh, end with this little statement here for you guys to repeat after me. And I want you guys to do this because I want us to start sharing statements of faith, how we can start speaking to ourselves and our lives in life. Do you know that when we speak the goodness of God, the goodness of God comes around? So repeat after me. I am free. I have faith and trust in God. I am full of praise and gratitude to you, God. I am free because God has changed me. Amen.